Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the first Anchor FM episode of Sith's Basement. Now, for those who are new to this podcast, I'm Dan the Sith, and on this show, I do various countdowns, Q&A from my Twitter inbox, and Libertarian rants as well. It's a variety show of sorts, and one that was created by me to be a part of True Radio Network, which you will hear about later on in the show. First up, I'm going to revisit my Friday the 13th countdown, then I'm going to break out some Q&A, and if you want to reach me for Q&A, you can reach me on Twitter over at TrueSithDan74. Now... They're 12 films in the Friday the 13th franchise, and I do like them all. I am not doing the fan film Never Hike Alone, but if you want to see that, that's on YouTube. It's really, really good. But I'm just doing the theatrical films here. So let's get this started, shall we? You know, it's hard for me to decide at number 12, but I had to make a decision. And coming in at number 12, Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. Yes, I like all of these films, but this film is the one that I pull out the least. Why, you ask? Well, it's Cinemax After Dark meets horror. Yes, it's a fun film to watch, but damn, the ending is very much like the first, where you don't have any clues as to who the killer is until the end. But unlike the first film, the logic just isn't there with this one. No one knew that the paramedic's kid was at the halfway house until the very end. Okay, now the good things about this film, you've got a good final girl in Pam, and I like the shock ending with Tommy wearing the mask. Take in mind with the ending. Paramount was going to have Tommy as the new Jason, but after the box office receipts from part five, Paramount brought Jason back for Jason Loves the new blood, Manhattan, and then new line, you know, down the road. Coming in at number 11, Friday, Friday the 13th, part three. You know, the one that's promoted as 3D. Okay, now, this was a good concept taking to the idea of 3D, which in 82 was still a thing, but not where things are definitely now with 3D, to say the least. Yes, the ending is essentially the same. Yes, this film with the biker gang, etc., is essentially the same as parts one and two. It's just that you have Richard Brooker as Jason and you have the hockey mask. I like this film, but the waiting is the hardest part for Jason to really just get for this film to really start to get going. The good thing though is it's not just the teen campers, because you have the biker gang as well, that adds to the suspense of Jason doing his dirty deeds and his killings. Coming in at number 10 is Friday the 13th, Part 8. Jason takes Manhattan, or as we see on the internet, Jason takes a boat ride to Manhattan and also Vancouver if you want to get technical. Yes, earlier drafts had this film primarily in Manhattan, but Paramount wanted to keep the budget small, so you ended up with an hour-long boat ride in this film. So yeah, the film is botched by a lower budget, but it's also botched because the unmasking of Jason in this film is absolutely horrible. But there are some bright points, though. The boxer kill, you know, everyone loves that. And also the shot of Jason in the middle of Times Square as well. 
definitely good cheese, but still number 10 is where it's the, number two is all I can, number 10 is where Manhattan lands. Time for the controversy to start up looks because coming in at number nine is Friday the 13th part seven, The New Blood. Now this was an entertaining idea of Jason versus Carrie. Yes, you have Kane Hodder as Jason, which is somewhat of a big deal because he played the role the longest through four films and brought a lot to the character. What brings this film down is Melissa and the rest of the secondary teen characters. Yes, Tina makes a good, credible final girl, though. Oh, and the kills extremely watered down. Censored-wise, if you have the DVD box set like I do, though, you can see the uncut version of those kills, and it's a lot better. But that's what brings down this film, okay? Time for even more hate messages to come in, because coming in at number eight is Freddy vs. Jason. Now, this was 16 years in the making, and it's a good middle-of-the-pack film. It lived up to some of the hype, but not all of it. But honestly, it's the one of only two incarnations of Freddy of comedic that I can sit through, other being um, part four of A Nightmare on Elm Street, known as Dream, um, Dream Master. Because I prefer my Freddy to be dark and twisted and not comedicking over the top. This is a better nightmare film than it is a better Jason film. That's why it's so low. But the good news is that you get 20 minutes of Freddy versus Jason just beating the hell out of each other. And the R-rated levels of gore are much better than the Paramount era of the 80s. So there you go. Time for the hate meal to flow because coming in at number 7 is the original Friday the 13th. Look, usually where it comes to horror, Exorcist, Child's Play, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, etc., you can put the original on top as number one, but with 1980's original Friday the 13th, it's a no-go. You can't do it. Okay, you can't do it. Why? Because one, it's a Halloween, it's a Halloween ripoff. Seanus Cunningham admitted it. It's a Halloween clone. Okay, but it is a good film though. You've got Pamela Voorhees, Tom Savini on makeup, so the kills look decent, even though, you know, even though they're neutered, the kills look pretty decent with Savini on makeup. Alice, although she's not my favorite friend girl, it's a B-horror movie that people knew what it was, and it took advantage of it. Time for more insanity, because number six is Friday the 13th, part two. This is a really good sequel, but what keeps out of the top five is that the top five are the five that I watch the most. Jenny, who's my favorite, one of my favorite final girls of the franchise, makes her appearance here. You get Sackhead Jason in the house. You get the wheelchair kill, which everyone loves, where he gets like this machete or something, this axe or something. Gets into the guys in the wheelchair, wheelchair goes boom, 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 boom. Yeah, you get all that. Okay. Some humor here and there, but definitely not as much as later installments. All in all, it's a good follow-up to the original, but not as much viewed as the films ranked above it. And yeah, I could take out the closing credits of Part 1, and take out the flashbacks of Part 2 and the opening credits of Part 2, and watch it seamlessly, but definitely not as seamless as the original Halloween and the original Halloween 2. 
Now we're into the top five, and by now everyone's going to remain pissed off at me because coming off at number, starting off at number five is the ninth, the two thousand nine Friday the Thirteenth remake. This is what we wanted to see out of Jason in the eighties: a sadomasochistic Jason who tortures and has traps, and not just stalking people with machetes. I know ranking this above the original is an omen to some, but in this case, suspend disbelief and understand that this one was superior to the original. We get into the top four. In the process of elimination, what's left? Part four, the final chapter. Part six, Jason lives. Jason goes to hell the final Friday and Jason X. Four totally different films. Two of them have the same Jason, though. And coming in at number four is Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. This is where New Line got the rights to the character of Voorhees, but not saying Friday the 13th. And the good thing about this film is the MPAA, except for about three and a half minutes, just let New Line have the producers have their way with this film, which is a good thing, right? But the bad thing is Sean Cunningham told Adam Marcus, I don't care what you do, get rid of the damn hockey mask. So whatever story you can get to that gets rid of the mask, use that. That's where you got with the whole body hopping scene. So it retcons basically the last half of part two through part eight, but it's still a solid film. And if you have the DVD like I do, check out the unrated version. It even goes even further into things. It's just weird and I love it. Coming in at number three is the least censored film in the Friday the 13th franchise to date, and that's Jason X. And now I know that I've lost a lot of confidence in the horror fans community. Look, it was meant to be cheesy and tongue-in-cheek, and if you can take all of that into mind, you'll have fun with this one. you either like it for the B-movie feel, like I do, or you'll hate it for the same reason. There's no in-between them. It's like with the Alien prequels. You like them or you hate them. There's no in-between. Okay, this is B-movie horror with horrible early 2000s CGI, but it's a good cheese, and I love Uber Jason, the liquid hydrogen kill, as well as the callback to the sleeping bag kill as well. Number three, Jason X. Now, the top two big bookend, the Timmy Jarvis trilogy. So which one has more nostalgia than the other? Well, coming in at number two is Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Okay, this was the meta, this, would, this is the meta chapter of the franchise. This is where they knew that, hey, this is silly. This is silly, let's have fun with it, okay? What I like about this film is one, Jason unmasked is wild in this. Another thing I like about it is it it made fun of itself, which was a good thing. Okay. The only reason why this film isn't number one is number one is one of my favorite slashers of all time. Okay. And also the fact that Tommy, with his obsession of, man, I gotta get Jason, I gotta get Jason, well, resurrected the guy. There you go. Number two. And coming in at number one is Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Okay. Tom Savini's back on the makeup, so the kills look great. Checkmark there. 
Ted White is Jason, and he's my favorite Jason. Next to the aforementioned Kane Hodder, check. Trish and Tommy Jarvis, check. Crispin Glover doing a really weird dance to hair metal, which never should have been danced to, check. One of the greatest slasher endings of all time to boot, check. This is why it's number one. If you want to get into the slasher genre, this easily comes as one of my recommendations, as well as John Carpenter's Halloween, or the original Nightmare on Elm Street, hands down, and even Hellraiser. And then, here you go, folks. Worst to first, Friday the 13th. Now, we're going to go into my Twitter inbox, at TrueSethDan74 on Twitter. I'm going to hit you up with some Q&A. Seth, what's your fast food burger of choice? Well, that's easy. I usually opt for Five Guys Burger and Fries, although the manager at our Five Guys can't carry a tune to save his life. Look, you've got really good burgers there. I love their fries, and they even pile on the fries. You know, so you get the extra fries, so there's no food waste, you know, there too. And their milkshakes are awesome too to boot. Okay, all in all, miles above better than McDonald's, Wendy's, etc. It's a bit on the pricey side, and yeah, they have a lot of toppings that don't cost extra, so you can use your imagination. So, think of it as a modern-day Fuddruckers, but still, it's top on my list burger-wise. So, when I want a burger and I don't want to make my own, I usually get a Five Guys first. Seth, any thoughts on the possible name change for your beloved Washington Redskins? Oy vey, this is a good question. And honestly, I'm going to be very candid about it. This is something that has come up since the 90s about the team name and logo. And usually I would think that Dan Snyder would stick to his guns and keep the name. But with FedEx and Nike saying, hey, pull the name or else we're gone. Okay, the name's going to change. The review that's happening with the organization, they're going to change the name. And I'm, I'm thinking two names here. One is the Washington Senators, which would offend people because of the throwback baseball team that was there or way earlier before the Expos came as the Nats. There was a team called the Washington Senators in the MLB, Major League Baseball. But a historical name that could really be good, the Washington Red Tails, which is actually something that Redskins quarterback Dwayne Haskins endorsed as an idea. It would honor the memory of the Tuskegee Airmen who fought in World War II. That would be impactful right there, fam. Right there. The Washington Red Tails. That would be awesome. But we'll wait and see what happens. But I do think the name is changing for better or for worse for a lot of people. Question three, Seth. Why are you so cruel about Trump? He's your president as well. Now, look. I give President Trump credit where it's due, as I do all elected officials. When they do something, I give them credit if I agree where it's due. If it's something wrong, I blast them. You missed it where I said he did a good job with the first round of stimulus, but didn't have to have his name printed on the checks. You also missed it where I agreed with him that it was a long time coming to bring our military home from nation-building wars, etc. All you're focused on is when I go after his rhetoric 
And all I have to say is pay attention to context. That's all. Question four, Seth. Um, what problems do you foresee Trump and Biden as we're only 121 days away from the elections on this recording? Yeah, we're recording this on July 5th and we are 121 days away. Okay, that's easy. Biden has a problem and it's called the hard far left. He can't speak out against the forceful removal of monuments or statues because it'll hurt him with the hard left. He can't undo what Beto wants to do with guns. It alienates the hard left. He can't go against the Green New Deal and AOC. Why? Alienates the hard left. It's going to be a hard thing for him to come back to the middle post-convention, which is going to be virtual next month. But that's also going to be his undoing because you can't go moderate because it alienates the hard left. But you can't continue hard left. It alienates the moderates and the donors. So Bernie, so Biden is in a very bad position right now. Really bad position. He's in a worse position than Clinton was four years ago. With Clinton, it was going to be easy because she started dropping hints of moderating during the debates and during the primaries. Biden hasn't done that yet. And the longer it takes to swerve to the moderate side, the harder it's going to be for him. Now, Trump has got a bigger problem, though. He's got to get this economy and virus both in check and fast because the clock's ticking. Now, if he supports and signs another round of checks, extension of unemployment, stimulus, etc., as well as infrastructure, that'll help him. But it doesn't matter how many campaign rallies he holds between now and November 3rd. What matters is progress. And if people don't see the progress, they're not going to vote for him. Seth, any advice for those waiting on a Windows 11 upgrade? Okay, time for a stopgap here. I'm going to pull you all aside for a minute here. There is no Windows 11 upgrade presently in the works at this time. Now, I know if you do a search, you've got sites promoting that there's an upgrade on July 29th or July 28th, something like that. But according to Microsoft, there's nothing there. Okay, and when it's announced, you'll hear about it across CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NPR, NBC, etc. Everyone's going to jump on it. Okay, now there was an upgrade version on Windows 10 that I personally downloaded a few weeks ago, and I love it. So if you want a recent Windows update, there's one that's been around for the last few weeks. However, any upgrades for another operating system using Windows, whether it's get rid of the 10 and just do Windows or Windows 11 or 12 or so on, it is conjecture and speculation until Microsoft makes it so officially. Okay, folks, so please be careful of these scam sites because they're out there. Seth. Thoughts on people that say that Pulp Fiction is overrated. If it's overrated, my question is, how did we get out of the 20th century intact? Oh, my God. 
Look, this film broke a lot of ground, and honestly, if you overlook the first part of the story that has an accidental drug overdose, there's a lot to enjoy with this film. Look, you have these stories that intertwine together, and it makes sense if you remember that Tarantino loves to jump around in his stories. But look at the first and third acts as day one, and, day t- and act two takes place on the night of day two and the morning of day three. It's a three-day story and a two-and-a-half-hour film, and if you watch it with proper context, you'll enjoy it. And besides, some of the funniest one-liners come with the go between Vincent and Jules back and forth. It's just awesome. Last question, and it's controversial. Uh, Seth, how do you feel about the taking down of statues and monuments as far as Columbus, the Founding Fathers, Lincoln, and Confederate War, Confederates from the Civil War? Okay, I'm going to break this down, and people aren't going to like it, but it has to be said. No matter, no matter how many statues or monuments are taken down, no matter what school names change, street names, etc., you're still going to have a cross-section on both sides, right and left, that want something canceled. That's one of the side effects of cancel culture that we live in. Now, things are done like they're done in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia, where there's a local ordinance that was passed, signed into law, permitting the immediate removal of the Confederate monuments, and eventually they'll be in a historic museum for historical context. I'm all for it. Am I by removal by force without code enforcement of a municipality? No. There's a major difference between the two here. Trump wants federal land protected, and I get that, and he has the right to have federal land protected, okay? But where it comes to state and local governments on their lands, it's not on the federal government to enforce it. That's up to state and local municipalities to do it. So, technically, feds, know your role. Protect federal land if you must. State governments, protect your land if you must. Local governments, protect your land if you must. Mutual responsibility, but do it legally. That's all I'm saying. All right? Okay. Now, the network that I'm on, True Radio Network, we're going through a lot of exciting changes as we have left our longtime home of Blog Talk Radio and we're branching into several platforms here. Okay, here on Anchor, you will have Spacement and the No Spots podcast with DC's People's Champ, Donnie Wrestling from the Wrestling Ranch in West Virginia, and myself, Dan the Seth. Now, when No Spots returns a week from this coming Friday at 10 p.m., we're going to be previewing two big pay-per-views. Impact Wrestling Slam Reversary, which is a week from Saturday night. And two weeks from tonight, WWE Horror Show at Extreme Rules. They've renamed the pay-per-view today, so hopefully that's the name they stick by. Now, I know that on Zoom... I know that on Zoom, Sports on the Hill podcast with CP3, Robbie G, Paul the Boxing Guy, Dijanae Bland, and Anna Kate will be back three weeks from tomorrow as the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, they're starting back up again. 
They have all your DC sports coverage without the politics. Coming soon to new platforms will be True Talk with Nakia Miller and myself, Talking All Things Politics, the Race of Relations hosted by Nakia Miller, and Hertz House with the Big Hurt as well. So you're so we're gonna be looking like this. Monday nights, 7 p.m. Sports and Little Podcast, CP3, Bobby G, Paul the Boxing Guy, Anna K, DJ Bland. They have all your DC sports without the politics. Starts at 7 p.m. sharp. It'll be on Zoom and other platforms. Okay. Tuesday nights will be True Talk, 8 p.m. with myself, Dan the Sith, and Nikia Miller. The Race of Relations will be Wednesday night at 8 p.m. with Nikia Miller. Hertz House will be back on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. after Big Hurt is done with his hiatus. No Spots will be back on there a week from Friday with Dining from the Wrestling Ranch in West Virginia, DC's People's Champ, and myself, Dan the Sith. And every Sunday at around 6 p.m., I'll be recording Sith's Basement. Okay? Now, I hope everyone has a great night. I will talk to you all next week. Be well and a very happy tomorrow to you. Good night and peace out.